0: Welcome again to The Business of Kush, the Cannabis Business Podcast, where your host Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA, and his guests talk about all the business side of the cannabis industry, including accounting, finance, investing, and news of the day. If you're a cannabis business owner, investor, or industry insider, looking for the dopest tips to make more money, improve profits, and increase the value of your cannabis business, you're in the right place. And now here's your host,
1: Chip Schweiger. All right, folks, uh, welcome to back to season two of the Business of Kush podcast. If you're a new listener, a hearty welcome to what is quickly becoming one of the best business podcasts for cannabis entrepreneurs. And if you're a regular listener and subscriber, thanks for joining us again this week. Really happy that you're here. So I'm your host, Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA. And I'm a 27-year veteran of public accounting and corporate finance, and also the founder and managing member of a CPA firm that helps marijuana, hemp, and CBD businesses stay on the right side of tax, accounting, and compliance rules. And because we're a firm that solely caters to the complex compliance needs of the cannabis community, we understand the unique challenges you're facing. So for this week's episode, first let me say Happy New Year. You know, after a sometimes rugged 2021, we're officially in a new year and I couldn't be happier about it. And with that, we've also all got our new goals. And maybe your goals are personal, like health or relationships or finances, or maybe those goals are also something related to your cannabis business, like maybe actually getting your new business started or expanding into new markets or verticals or potentially selling your company. And if you're thinking about selling your cannabis business now or any in the future, this week to kick off season two and the new year, we're going to talk about the five things you absolutely must do before you even think about selling your company. Plus, we'll talk about what the landscape looks like for cannabis transactions. And, you know, for a successful exit, you need to be able to say a hearty yes to two important questions. One, is your business ready for you to exit? And two, are you ready to exit? So yes, we're going to talk about the five things that you can do right now to get your business ready. But did you know 75% of business owners have regrets one year after selling their businesses? How is it possible that three quarters of owners are disappointed just one year after what should have been the happiest day of their life? Well, the answer is most owners fail to consider the practical and emotional factors that can lead to disappointment at an exit. So I'm going to give you four absolutely critical steps for you to explore that will help you evaluate your preparedness to exit your business and to do so on terms that are lucrative and that will make you happy. But let's start with a landscape for cannabis transactions currently, and also looking into 2022. And it's really a great story for small and medium-sized cannabis businesses. I mean, marijuana mergers and acquisition activity proceeded at an unbelievable pace in 2021, and could accelerate even more in 2022, thanks to lower interest costs and the pressure on larger companies to expand their footprints and to boost revenue. New York-based Viridian Capital Advisors counted 306 M&A transactions through December 17th, up well over threefold from the 86 recorded transactions in the same period of 2020. Now, that included 209 in the U.S., totaling $10.1 billion in value, with both numbers and amounts exceeding what was recorded in both 2019 and 2020 combined. And industry experts point to the combination of two key factors driving M&A active in the future. One, inexpensive debt. We still have most large multi-state operators that are able to raise debt financing for acquisitions at annual interest rates of 8 to 10%, which is amongst the lowest ever for the industry. And two, there's a valuation gap between acquirers and targets. So while the stocks of big MSOs are down year to date, their targets are down even more and the acquisition logic remains intact. So according, uh, that's according to a recent Viridian report. In addition, natural industry consolidation is fully underway, as is investor pressure on public MSOs to increase sales and expand markets. So we're going to talk about why this is good for you as the small to medium-sized cannabis business owner. But for a big payday from a public company or more likely from a private deal, that depends on many factors. Now, before you put your company up for sale, consider doing these five things to set yourself up for a successful transaction. Now, one, you got to figure out who owns your company and who can sell it. You'd be surprised at how many thriving cannabis businesses started with a mix of investors and partners, some of whom may have left the business but now want what they believe is their fair share of any sale. Now, ideally, your business will have clear corporate records showing exactly what percentage of the enterprise each person or each entity owns, like capitalization tables or stock registers. And for our clients, I'll tell you, that's definitely the case. It's one of the first things we do in client onboarding. Once you know that, and if you're running a corporation, check your shareholder agreement. And if you're running a limited liability corporation or partnership, look at your operating agreement. But in either case, each document should spell out under which circumstances a sale can occur. Some might require a supermajority of owners to consent to a sale, while others, maybe a simple majority can trigger it. If these answers are not clear, though, you're going to need to be resolved before you try to sell the entity. Figuring out who owns what and what's required for a sale to occur may force some hard discussions with current partners or the people you thought were former partners. That probably, these discussions probably should have occurred years ago. But they are doable and are essential to making the ownership situation clear for your potential sale. Now, the second thing that you absolutely must do to get prepared is you've got to prep your financial paperwork. And I know this sounds funny coming from a CPA. But one of the reasons why I'm in this business is because this stuff is so, so important. Look, the cannabis industry is fascinating to me because it's growing, slight pun intended, out of a century of criminalization, which means many entrepreneurs started in the black market or the gray market with little incentive to keep good financial records. Completely understand it. And even today, federal regulations keep banks mostly out of the sidelines. We all know that. So that cannabis deals that are often cash transactions that too easily occur without paper receipts. But if you want to sell your company, I'm telling you, expect that the buyer nowadays will demand to see documentation of your revenues, of your expenses, of your assets, and your liabilities. Your books are going to need to be able to withstand a financial or due diligence audit going back probably at least three years. But if your financial records are in a shamble or in a shoebox, don't panic. A good cannabis bookkeeper or accountant can help you rebuild them. We can also implement processes going forward that will keep your business's finances properly recorded, and we can even take the mystique and confusion out of the audit process. All right, the number three thing that you absolutely have to do is check those contracts. So if your company depends on a lease for equipment or retail or wholesale property, your potential buyer will want to know the terms. And if you're about to get kicked out of your space for a more lucrative tenant, or if you're about to lose access to a critical piece of hardware, a buyer will find that out and they're going to change the nature or existence of a deal. And we talked about this actually probably eight episodes ago, uh, that if investors start to get spooked, they go the other direction. So, make sure you find out and document the status of your leases for all of these items. Also, don't forget that your cannabis company's intellectual property rights need to be organized properly to maximize their value. Now, mainstream companies like Nike have shown how important logos, trademarks, and patents are to athletic wear, but IP is even more important to cannabis companies. The reason? With the underlying products still criminalized in some states and at the federal level, IP licenses and Goodwill are easier to buy and sell. That means before you put your company for sale, you need to make sure that your intellectual property rights are documented and a lapsed or unregistered trademark isn't worth very much and you don't want to find that out at the deal table. All right, the number four thing is you got to resolve any option agreements. So back when you started your enterprise, think about it. Perhaps you were gathering seed funds and you might have just made deals like, hey, Give me 10 grand now, and if if recreational pot ever becomes legal in the U.S., I'll let you buy 20% of my company for another $100,000, right? Many cannabis firms entered agreements like that, and given how speculative the industry was just, gosh, probably 8, 10 years ago, and still is today in a lot of ways, many states still limit licensed pot producers to state residents. So options like these are floating around all around the business. These deals can severely complicate or completely scuttle the sale of your company, as most buyers don't want to have to fight off someone claiming that they have the right to an asset that the buyer just purchased. So before you sell your company, you need to buy back those options. And the number five thing that you absolutely need to do is remember the government right? You already know that marijuana laws and regulations vary from state to state, and they're often in flux. And especially at the start of a new year, new laws were already passed that outdo other old laws. And this goes far beyond whether the end consumer can light up a joint in public and and not get arrested. In some states, like Washington, for example, only state residents qualify to hold an ownership interest in a cannabis license. And most states have criminal background check requirements, such that people with certain criminal histories cannot hold an ownership interest in a cannabis business. Now, that's slowly changing in cases where the criminal history relates solely to marijuana, but it hasn't changed in all states. So these rules really pose significant obstacles to sales. So don't waste time chasing a deal that can happen because the buyer, for example, won't be able to be in the cannabis business in a particular state. Competent advisors can help you structure a deal to accomplish both the buyer's and the seller's goals with kind of these matching up with these myriad state regulations. They can also help you resolve any of the ownership, financial, intellectual property, and options issues that we've talked about. Now, as you consider your next move in the cannabis industry, keep these issues in mind for your business. Now, let's pivot a bit to talking about you and four steps you absolutely need to consider so that you can feel good about any exit. Yes, the money is going to be helpful and it's going to be nice, but it's not all about money. It's also about how you feel during and after the transaction. And we talked about this a few episodes back when we talked with Josh Delaney, who built Fab CBD from zero to $10 million in revenues in just four years, and then sold it for a $26 million valuation so step number one and the four things that you absolutely need to do is getting to the bottom of why you want to exit your business in most cases there's a combination of factors that are either pushing you away from your business or pulling you to something else push factors are legitimate reasons to want to exit your business like reaching retirement age or feeling your business has reached its peak with you or maybe need just needing a break to reduce stress Pull factors are things that you want to do after you leave your business. Maybe you want to travel the world. Maybe you want to spend more time with family and friends. Or maybe you want to start a new business. And look, the happiest departures happen when there are just as many compelling pull factors as there are push factors. So question number one is you got to sort through all these. Step number two, and the second thing that you absolutely have to consider is you need to align your exit type with the reason you're leaving the company. So what do I mean by this? Well, often when we think about exiting a company, we conjure the image of a spectacular business sale where a strategic buyer swoops in and pays an enormous price and the business owner rides off into the sunset to go count their gold. The reality though is that there are several different ways to exit the day-to-day operations of your business and the smartest founders align their exit type with their reason for leaving now the most common exit types are they could just sell outright. this is the closest thing to the stereotypical sale where you sell 100 percent of your business to a third party buyer and you walk away it's a great fit if you want completely out of your business and if you have an attractive company to sell that is not dependent on you to run it all right another scenario is where you're going to sell a part of your company and retain part of it now, how this works is you sell off a portion of the equity, which allows you to take some of your chips off the table while you continue to maintain a portion of your equity in the company. You could also potentially do a recapitalization, which is kind of a a, a deal where you sell less than 50 percent of your business. And in a majority recap, you sell more than 50 percent of the business in both cases. The buyer is usually a private equity group and very often you're gonna be expected to stay on and continue running your business after the capitalization. So if you wanna diversify your wealth and are still passionate about growing your business for years in the future, this is a good option. You could also potentially look at a CEO situation. So this is another option for exiting the day-to-day operations of your business, and that is to hire a president or chief operating officer to take over running your business day-to-day so that you can move into the pure CEO role. Now, with a COO in place, you continue to be responsible for major strategic decisions and would likely continue to work in your business and draw a salary you would maintain most of your equity in the company, but may choose to provide some sort of long-term incentive, either shares or options to your CEO. So this is a great fit if you want to minimize the inedible heartaches that come from running your business. But if you still want to continue to handle strategic projects and don't mind retaining the majority of your interests in the business. And it's also uh, another option, maybe like a chairperson. So kind of like the CEO, CEO type, as a chairperson, You're going to relinquish the day-to-day operations to another leader who you're going to appoint at the CEO. And in this scenario, it's unlikely that you draw a salary, but it's a great fit if you want to relinquish all of the day-to-day responsibilities in your company. You don't need to draw a regular salary, and you don't mind retaining your equity position. Another option is a management buyout. So this is where your manager or managers could choose to buy you out. And given their knowledge of your business, managers can often access financing or private equity to raise the money that they need to acquire your business. So this is a great fit if your senior management team is willing to take on the debt required to buy your business and the company is stable and has the predictable profits required to qualify for bank financing. All right, the third step that you absolutely need to do to decide whether you're personally ready to sell your company is you got to figure out your number. And now you know what I mean by your number, but have you thought about what your number is? The ultimate judge of your company's value is the market itself. And no matter how much you want for your company or how much you think you need, if the market says the business is not worth that, you're out of luck. But in in addition to getting a business valuation to understand what your company might be worth to a third party, there is another calculation you should make. And that is to understand what your business is worth to you. So when the market valuation and your personal valuation coincide, that's going to be a great time to consider an exit. So to answer that question, what is your business worth to you? It helps to be clear on your motivation for selling. If your goal in exiting your business is to retire, you want to ensure that you have enough investable assets to create the income stream you need to fund that retirement. If your goal is to diversify your portfolio, calculating your number works a little bit differently. So you're gonna start by analyzing what percentage of your net worth you're comfortable holding in your company's stock. This starts with knowing what your company is worth and that's the true and realistic market value of the company. Now, once you know approximately what your that company is worth and what percentage of your portfolio you're willing to dedicate and leave in your company's stock, you can back into how much of your business you should sell in a recapitalization to give you your number. Some owners decide to exit because they're bored with their businesses and want to move on to another project that is more exciting to them. And in this scenario, you may want to sell your business quickly and would be willing to take a discount. Now to figure out your minimum number, you can simply estimate what you want to be paid for the time you've invested in your business today. Calculate how many years you've been running your business. Next, estimate your market rate salary. In other words, What would you likely be paid if you went out in the market to find a good job commensurate with all your skills and experience? And the last step is then determining what role you want to play in your company in the future. And the number four step that you absolutely have to do is decide what role you want to play in your company in the future. Now, for most owners considering exiting their business, they imagine this all cash offer and leaving their company shortly after depositing the check. However, most exits that I'm aware of are a lot more gradual and rely on the owner's continued involvement in the sale. So it's important to get clear on the maximum amount of both time and money that you're willing to commit after a transaction. Now, as a general rule, you stand to earn more money from the sale of your business the more willing you are to participate in a transition period. So hypothetical examples uh, assume that you need to make a trade off, accept $5 million in cash for your business, or walk away, or stand to gain a larger payment for some continued involvement. And if you're interested in really getting under the hood of understanding your personal readiness to exit your company, either now or in the future, drop me a note at chip at and I'll send you the exit checklist that we use when consulting with clients who are considering exiting now or in the future. Well, before we finish for this week, we've got two things left to do. One is respond to a question that came in over the holidays. And two is our news of the day segment. So first to the question. And thanks to Jamie for our question. And it's simply asking for tips on how to know when to sell your business, which is right on point for this week's episode. How do you know the right time to sell a company? One answer to this age old question is that the time to sell is when someone else is willing to invest more in your business than you are. So what do I mean by this? When you start a business, nobody is willing to invest in its success more than you are. You've already worked 40 hour a week by Wednesday of that week, and if you're like most founders, you've invested a big chunk of your liquid assets to get your business going. You're all in. And in the early days, you are willing to risk your business on a new strategy because the business was pretty much worthless. And as Bob Dylan says in his song, when you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing to lose. Now, as your business grows and becomes more valuable, you may find yourself becoming more conservative and becoming more unwilling to risk the equity that you've created inside your business on your next big idea. You may have reached a point where someone else may be willing to take risk, and they may be willing to risk more time and money for your business, and more so than you're willing to do. So, Jamie, when should you sell? Well, that's really up to you with a lot of factors consider. But one consideration I suggest is at the point where a buyer is willing to risk more than you, that's the point that you should look at selling. And this happens at a different stage for everyone, right? Let's say you have a marijuana dispensary worth a million dollars today. Would you be willing to risk the entire thing on a new strategy for a shot at making $10 million? Many entrepreneurs would take that bet. Now imagine that you have a processing company worth $10 million and your business represents the bulk of your net worth. Most would argue that $10 million is life-changing money. And again, the same question. Would you be willing to risk your entire company for a chance to make a $100 million company? Now, the marginal utility of the extra $90 million is pretty minimal when you think about that, right? You only need so many cars. But the risk is pretty significant. So fewer owners, I think, would bet $10 million for a chance at $100 million. So when someone else is willing to invest more in your business than you are, it's probably a time for your company to find a new owner. Thanks for your question, Jamie. Hope that helps. Okay, let's get to our last segment of the episode, and that's the one that we call News of the Day. News of the Day. All right, uh, let's see. This week we actually have, just because we just started the year, we've only got really one piece of news probably that I wanted to bring to you, and this is comes to us from Marijuana Moment, and it talks about the incoming Virginia GOP governor won't says he won't overturn legal uh, marijuana possession, but he cast doubt on the sales of adult use marijuana. So the incoming governor of Virginia says that while he's not interested in recriminalizing marijuana possession, which became legal in that state last summer, he feels that there's, quote, still work to be done end quote, before he gets behind crafting and creating a market for commercial sales and production. So I've already been talking with prospective clients in Virginia, getting ready for adult use sales there. And so this may be yet another example of where politicians, this will sound critical, but where politicians come in and try to undo something that everybody, 75% of the American population believes is the right thing to do. All right. Um, hey, you may have seen that we've got a new website for this podcast. We're now at bizofkush.com. And just as before, we've got every episode there with the show notes and a place for you to ask questions like the one that we talked about tonight. So head on over to bizofkush.com and please drop us a note. And if you just want to say hi, we'd love to hear from you. And why not leave us a voice message when you do that? You can do it there because it's available to you if you like. And if you do that, we'll play some of them in future episodes. And also, one last reminder, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're on Twitter. All of them are at Biz of Kush, So let's connect. And with that, we're done for this week. Thanks again for your continued support of the podcast. Happy New Year and look forward to you joining us again next week.
0: You've been listening to The Business of Kush, the podcast for cannabis business owners, investors, and industry insiders. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast. It's easy to do by clicking on that subscribe button or follow button. And you can also follow us on social media at at Biz of Kush, or visit us on the web at www.thegreenleafcpa.com forward slash listen. We'll catch you in the next episode. And thanks again for listening to The Business of Kush.